This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org Your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to talk about missions is the progress of the gospel. Um, every, everyone here is invited for the meal this afternoon before the second service. The, we should be having the meal, and shortly afterward, we'll have our uh, service. Deborah's just going to speak, you know, like what it says in Acts 15, where uh, Paul and, and Barnabas came, and they, and they proclaimed the wonders of God, what God was doing in the world. And that's what we're here to hear about. What's God doing in the world so that we can pray over it, we can partner in that, in the work of God in the world? So please, if, you, um, if, if you're here and you say, well, I don't know, I didn't sign up for it, that's okay. Come, there'll be, there'll be some. And if there's, you know, Jesus multiplied bread and fish, he can do that here. And uh, I don't think there's ever been a short, I say that, let me not presume upon the goodness of God or Chris Tyree's cooking, but... Um, God's made provision for us. Philippians chapter 1, start, and for those who are watching live stream right now, there will be no live stream for the afternoon service because of the sensitive nature of uh, the ministry and the story she's going to be sharing. So um, I'm sorry you've got till 1230 to get here if you're you're able to come and and to be. I I wouldn't want to miss that. Uh, So unless you're in Texas or something. Uh, you probably won't make it in time. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout all the praetorian guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, preaching Christ, even from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that we are set for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, Whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Open our hearts to it. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us, O God, to seek your word, to hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been reading in our weekly word this past week, Philippians, most of Philippians and Colossians. And as I thought about what to bring for this morning, I, I recognize Philippians is a missionary book. It speaks to missions. It speaks to the issue of missions. Philippians, the, Paul's letter to the Philippians was born out of this spirit of missionary service. If you remember from Acts 16, when Paul first went to Philippi, what, what was taking place? Uh, they were confounded. The missionary team, Paul and Silas and the others, were confounded. Where do we go? And they, they were trying to go into Asia, and the Holy Spirit said, no, no, no. And they went to Bithynia, and he said, not here. And so they were praying, Lord, where would you have us to go? And out of that prayer, 
God said, I've got some other people going here to Asia and Bithynia, but you, I want you to go to Europe. The gospel's not been there, and I want you to go there. And so this letter was written out of that. They went to Philippi, um, and, and so they came there, not even a synagogue in Philippi. It was a large Roman colony. And so they went there and gave the gospel. And so what we have to understand is Paul uses this phrase in verse 12 of chapter 1, and he talks about the progress of the gospel. And at the end of, almost toward the end of the chapter in verse 25, he says, I'm convinced that I know I'll remain with you for the progress of your faith. That's what we see here The progress of the gospel is missions. That's what it is. Wherever it's taking place, that is missions. And we need to understand that. And Paul had had brought the gospel to the end of the world. As he's writing the letter to to the Philippians, he's in Rome. He's, He's in prison in Rome. And yet God used this to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Rome from Jerusalem the ends of the earth, and now his desire had been fulfilled. It was a desire Deborah had spoken of earlier in her testimony. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says, My desire, I aspired to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. And so Paul, the desire that he had was fulfilled through this prison trip. Not the way that Paul probably would have wanted to have gone, but it was the way that God ordained. Got him free tickets on a ship to Rome. And so what do we see here? As we begin this letter, and we're going to go through not all of it, but a portion of it, the Philippians' participation in the gospel. Their participation in missions. Paul starts out in verses 3 to 5. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Your participation in the gospel from the first day, if you remember from Acts 16, they went to Philippi. There was no synagogue. You needed at least 10 Jewish men to found a synagogue, but instruction was given by tradition. If there's no synagogue, meet someplace under the open sky for prayer near a river or near the sea. And so Paul went outside the gates of the city to look for this place of prayer by the river. And there was Lydia with some other women who had gathered together for prayer. God opened her heart to receive the gospel. She called upon the Lord, and Lydia said she was baptized. She was obedient to the Lord in baptism. And she turns to Paul and says, listen, if you found me faithful to the Lord, please stay in my home, use my home as a base of operation. She was a wealthy businesswoman, and she said, please. There was the participation in the gospel. She wanted to be part of what Paul was doing through the Spirit of God. So please do this. And then he says, from, your, from the beginning until now, they had just sent a gift to Paul while he was in prison. Prisons aren't, weren't like they are today. There's no food. 
given to the prisoners except what friends and family might bring. There's no protection or provision for them except what those who care for them might bring in. The Philippian church did that for Paul. They had been helping Paul during his missionary journeys and now continued to do so even though he was currently in prison. They hadn't abandoned him because he was arrested for the sake of the gospel. And there's this special connection that Paul is describing between those whose hearts are set for the work of the gospel, for the progress of the gospel. And so there's the Philippians' participation in the gospel, in missions. And now Paul, in verses 12 to 14, gives his missionary report, his progress report, like those letters we have on the back wall on those missionaries we support, or like those downstairs um, that aren't on our budgeted support, but but we pray for them nonetheless, and we, we, we look to see God work in their, in their lives. Paul's giving this missionary progress report. What's going on with me? And it's exciting to hear. He gives, this, um, he gives this progress report, the progress of the gospel, that's continuing while they pray for him. And he describes three aspects of his circumstances here. Number one, his impact because of his circumstances. In verse 12, he says this, I want you to know that because of my circumstances, the greater progress of the gospel. And, and he describes it. It's exciting to see this. God is sovereign. You have to understand this. God is sovereign over circumstances. What others may mean for evil, what the devil may mean for evil, God means for good and the expansion of His kingdom. If we'd only get that into our eyes and our heads so that when something bad happens, we say, God, what are you doing for us? What are you doing through us? What do you want me to be doing out of this? God is sovereign over circumstances. And we see this. Joseph in the Old Testament is a great example of that. God allowed him to not only rescue his brothers, being sold into slavery by his brothers, he rescued them and the line of Messiah, so God's promises would be fulfilled through Christ. But we see this going on in those, whom, those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. I remember, and I remember it because of <clears throat> my adversary. Um, in, in college, my, the, the man who lived next door to us uh, constantly berated me for my Christianity. He was an atheist. And uh, I remember one particular time, it was a Wednesday night, I was at choir practice for church, and uh, I left early because I was feeling sick. And I left early, I got to a stoplight, um, the light turned green, I went to go through it, and somebody came through the red light and hit me, and um, the, the front right quarter of my car, I couldn't drive the car, um, had to get the car towed and get a ride back, a police officer gave me a ride back, and um, the next two days I was sick, I, I had something, I was just laid out in bed, and, and uh, the the roommate, well not roommate, but the guy in the dorm room next to me said, you know, what's going on? And I told him what happened. You know, I'm sick now. And, and he said, well, it sounds like bad luck to you. And I, and I said, oh, no, not at all. I said, let me tell you. I said, it wasn't my fault. The accident wasn't my fault. It's getting completely repaired, fixed up, brand new. The police officer who gave me a ride home, I had a chance to share the gospel with him. I gave him the gospel on the way home. And you know what? 
I'm go, go, go all the time. If I, didn't, if I wasn't sick, I wouldn't have had these two days to sit and rest, lie down, and be, at, be here and, and rest up fully. God, God's working in this. Circumstances are what God is over, regardless of what are, is turning out. And we need to see that and understand that. In Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9, Paul said to Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ. According to my gospel, Jesus Christ, the descendant of David, for whom I am imprisoned. Up to imprisonment, I'm suffering hardship. But the Word of God is not imprisoned. And and that's what we can see here. The Word of God was not imprisoned. Paul is saying there's the progress of the gospel going on. Though he was prisoned, it actually enhanced the progress of the gospel. Verse 13, he says, My imprisonment was well known to the praetorian guard and to all else. At the end of the book, he says, All the brethren greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now think about this for a second. Paul is in prison. He's bringing the gospel to the the praetorian guard. Who's the praetorian guard? Those were the secret service of the Caesar. Those are the people you don't normally have access to. Anybody know somebody from Secret Service? One person. I, I, I suppose you, traveling where you are, you, you would. But here are these people normally shut off to the, the community around them. They're the protectors of Caesar. Paul's in with them all the time, and he's bringing the gospel to them. And then that note from the very end, he says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Imagine if because of, the, of prison, you get held in the White House... And you get to lead some of Joe Biden's family to Christ. And imagine you're writing, I'm, okay, I'm in prison. I'm writing this letter back to you here, my beloved brothers and sisters in Plainville. And I said, ah, all the saints greet you, especially those of Biden's household. Wouldn't that make your heart leap for joy? That's the impact of what Paul is having in the prison here. And so he sees this impact because of his circumstances. He sees an encouragement in his circumstances. In verses uh, following here, he says, Most of the brethren, because of my imprisonment, have far more boldness to speak the word without fear. That was Paul's encouragement. He wanted others. The gospel had gone forth to the unreachable. Fellow Christians were now being encouraged to share the gospel. You'd think... Well, Paul's in prison. I don't want to get in prison. I'm not going to to say anything. I'm going to shut up. No, not at all. It had the opposite effect. Why? Because God is sovereign over circumstances. And then we see his joy in his circumstances. Verse 18. What's the outcome then? What, What is it? Regardless, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. I don't care who's preaching Christ. In this I rejoice because Christ is brought up. We have to be careful. You remember remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, here's a man casting out demons in your name. And we told him to stop because he he wasn't with our group. Jesus said, nobody can do a miracle in my name and afterwards speak evil about me. Oh, there are those who... Look a little different than you. But they're preaching the gospel. And in this we ought to rejoice. 
And so we see not only the Philippians' participation of the gospel and the missionary progress report that Paul gives, but his attitude of missionary service. His attitude of missionary service. Paul had, uh, in, in working out, he had this attitude of missionary service. And he describes his, re- his outreach to see others come to know Jesus Christ in this way. In verses 21 to 24 of the chapter, he says, I have a spirit of a living relationship with Christ and of the necessity to speak of Him. In verses 21 to 24, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live on in the flesh, this means fruitful labor for me. I don't know which to choose, whether I'm going to be beheaded for the cause of Christ or I'm going to be released. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to choose that. Because it's much better to be with Christ. But I'm confident that because it's more necessary for, you to, for me to be here, I'm going to be giving the Word of God so that you can grow in your faith. You can make progress and joy in your faith. You know what? It wasn't. Think about this for a second. He could have been overcome by, by, by feelings of hopelessness in isolation in prison, and a fear of impending death, but it was countered by a spirit of this living relationship with Christ. Christ is here with me. Listen, Christ is here with me in prison. I don't care how isolated I am, Christ is here, so I'm not alone. And if I die, I'm going to be with Him. So either way, He's here with me in prison, or I'm with Him in heaven. He had this spirit of the living Christ in him. Christ lives in me, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2. And so we see this. If you're walking by the Holy Spirit, you too can say, to live is Christ. Because whatever happens, I know Christ is in me. The hopelessness of Paul's situation is countered also by his necessity in his current life. He said, as long as as God has me here, I know it's going to be for your furtherance and joy in the faith. As long as God has you here on earth, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, as long as God has you here, God has a purpose for you. You've got to figure out what that is and stop wasting what God has given you for the kingdom of God and use it. You might say, well, you know what? I don't have the strength that I used to have. You know what? You can still do something for God. If you don't have the strength to do something like Tuesday morning to come and put this this gospel literature and this meal together for those correctional officers at the ACI, you at least have the strength to pray for them. And to pray that the gospel, when they receive that meal and they receive that, uh, that gospel literature, they will read it and it will be effective to their salvation. You can pray that without any physical strength. All you need is spiritual strength. And we don't have to work that up. The whole, that comes from the Holy Spirit. God, fill me by your Spirit so that I might pray as I ought and carry out your work. You can pray. You can intercede for the lost and the progress of the gospel. And that's, that's what the Philippians were doing for Paul while he was in prison. They couldn't help him in any other way. 
They, when they could, they sent him physical goods, but when they couldn't, they were praying for him. And what was happening? The, pray to, the secret service and Joe Biden's family were getting saved. Actually, it was Nero's family that was getting saved. If you think about who Nero was, a guy who tarred Christians and put them up on poles and lit his gardens with them. For his ministry to be effective through the Holy Spirit, they were praying. And you can be praying as well. So that you, when you can do nothing else, you can still pray. But there are many of you who can do something else in service to the Lord. And you should. Maybe you're here, though. Maybe you're here this morning without Christ as your Savior. There's never been a time in your life when you've received Him, when you've called upon His name saying, Lord, save me from my sin. Give me this gift of eternal life. There's never been a time where you know, so that you know if I were to die, you would go to heaven. You don't know that to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can't know that until you have that assurance of eternal life. Jesus Christ paid the penalty. He loved you so much. He paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. And He rose from the dead. And He calls you by repentance and faith to call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He will rescue you from your sin. The Holy Spirit will come to reside in your heart. Through Christ, He will be your life. If you need Him today, we're going to have an invitation at the end. You can come and receive Christ as your Savior. You can call upon Him. But let me look at a couple of other things here from the attitude of Paul and his missionary service. He had a spirit of humility. Paul talks about it in chapter 2 and verses 5 to 11. He says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped at. He made himself as a servant. He became a, a man. He humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. That was Paul's mindset of humility and sacrifice. If God did this for me, God came in the flesh, he became a servant. I can be a servant for the sake of the gospel. And he gave these examples at the end of chapter 2 of Timothy. He's serving. He has a heart for you Philippians. I'm sending him to you as soon as I can because he has a heart to see you grow in the, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And then he spoke of their own Epaphroditus who had come and brought that gift. He had almost died because of some sickness that he endured. He said, Hold such people in regard because they're giving their lives for Jesus Christ. Paul had this spirit of humility and sacrifice and a spirit of joy and praise. In, in the middle of chapter 2, he says, Don't do everything without grumbling and complaining that we might be sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which we hold forth the word of life. Listen, when you're grumbling and complaining against one another, you're not going to be focused on the gospel. Um, that grumbling and complaining causes us 
to focus on our own troubles instead of seeing in our difficulties the sovereignty of God to expand the work of the gospel. And then, fourthly, Paul said he had a spirit of reconciliation. In chapter 4, he speaks of these two women that were at odds with one another. They were having trouble with each other. Yodius and Syndicate, he says, I beg you, true yoke fellow, I ask Yodius and Syndicate to be at the same mind of the Lord. And I ask you, true yoke fellow, this, this individual in the church, he said, please help these women who labored with me in the cause of the gospel, whose names are in the, with Clement also, and others whose names are in the book of life. These weren't like some newbies who are just having these little issues going. Something was going on with them, but they were veterans of the faith. They were veterans in the work of the gospel. They had helped Paul. They had gone with him on his missionary journeys. Disunity hinders the work of the gospel. It's what Satan wants. When we're not focused on the work of the gospel, we're focused on our petty disagreements. We're not going to see the expansion of the kingdom. And so, we see this. And... You know, why was Paul able to do what he's doing? And let me close with these two things as quickly as I can. <laughs> the good news of missionary service. What was Paul... You know, the truth is, if Paul didn't have this understanding of the gospel, he wouldn't have had a desire to tell others about Jesus. If he didn't know the truth of the Word of God, if he didn't know how to tell others to have joy and eternal life in Christ, he wouldn't be doing this. You know, how are you, if you don't have... If you're not resting in the truth of the gospel, how can you tell others about Jesus? I remember as an eight-year-old boy, we had watched, uh, must have watched, I don't remember it, but my brother does, we watched Billy Graham crusade on TV. And I remember, say, I remember that because I said, you know what, I want to do this. As an eight-year-old boy, I said, I want to do this. I'm going to get like a, like a clubhouse built in the front of our yard. These were my plans. I'm going to have a clubhouse built. I'm going to invite my friends, and I'm going to speak like this guy spoke. And I said, but what am I going to speak on? All I have is the missalette, and it's only this thick. And, and what do I do after that? I didn't know what to speak on because I didn't know the gospel. I didn't know what Jesus Christ had done for me, really. I thought it was him and me. He did his part, and i got to keep working and trying, and maybe I'll get to heaven if I work hard enough. So I didn't know what to say. What does Paul say in Philippians chapter 3? He puts no confidence in himself. He says in verses 3, the end of 3, I put no confidence in the flesh in my own effort. I could have confidence in the flesh. But he says, whatever these things were gained to me, I've counted loss for the sake of Christ, that I may gain Christ. And not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. My righteousness, my right standing with God doesn't come from me doing all these things. It comes from what Christ did and me resting in that. That's how come Paul was able to do that. Paul says in Romans 3.22, it's the righteousness of God through faith for all who believe. God requires this righteousness from you. He gives it as a gift. Receive it. And if you've received it, then rest in it. You can't tell others about it if you're still vacillating. Am I saved or am I not? Am I saved or not? And if you're not sure you're saved, then call on the Lord. Follow His promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call upon Him. 
And let me close with this, this one thing, the spirit of missions in your heart. Does the spirit, does the spirit of missions dwell in your heart? Does the spirit for the progress of the gospel dwell in your heart? If you are saved, are you among those where Christ is not named? See, missions isn't going to some foreign place like this country that she mentioned today that we'll talk about more later, but what is missions? Missions is finding those where Christ is not named and speaking to Him. We were in a playground in Attleboro one time some years ago, and there were these two teenage boys sitting at a picnic bench, and my kids were playing. I went over, and I began to ask them about Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't say Jesus Christ. I said, you know how to get to heaven. And they said, no, and I explained how to get to heaven. And I said, did anybody ever tell you this before? They said, no. Do you know who Jesus Christ is? No. Right here in the Attleboro's. People don't know who Jesus Christ is. People in your home maybe not, don't know. Your neighborhood, your workplace, your school don't know about Jesus. How are you going to tell them? Who is going to tell them if you don't? Well, somebody else will. Somebody else will. If God has put you there, why has He put you there? So this is what I want you to do. This is your assignment. If you're saved, if you're not saved, your assignment is, please, as we close the service, come forward, let somebody pray with you to receive Christ. If you've been saved, this is your assignment. For this month, during Missions Month, pray this prayer, Matthew 8, 9, 38. It's a thoroughly biblical prayer. Jesus said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Pray that for at least this month. Maybe this year, maybe the rest of your life. Lord, send out laborers into the harvest. You'll see what, he's doing, what He will do. And it's really a trick on you if you pray that. Because in chapter 10, those 12 disciples that Jesus told to pray that went out themselves. But don't, don't think, well, I couldn't do that anyway. I'm not going to pray that. No, no, no. You pray it. If God calls you to some particular place, God will show you and equip you and prepare you and give you His joy in the midst of it as you go. So let me encourage you as we pray. If you need Christ as your Savior, we have this invitation time for you to respond to that. Excuse me. Otherwise, please say, maybe you want to come, if you're saved, come during this time and just commit yourself and say, I'm going to pray that this month. Or I'm going to pray that for this year. I'm going to pray that as long as I can as we have this invitation time. Father, thank you for your word. Open our hearts to it. Thank you for this day for your mercy. Lord, you are good and always do good. We bless you, O God. And if there is someone here that's never received you as Savior, might today be the day that they call upon you for salvation. Lord, I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please stand with me. We're going to sing Near the Cross. As we sing, we're going to sing one verse of Near the Cross. If you need Christ, would you come? Then we're going to have our Lord's Supper service this time. If you need Christ, please come as we sing near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain in the cross it
in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river all right you may be seated those who are helping with the lord's supper please come forward at this time as we have the lord's supper once a month here in 1 Corinthians 11, we read about this. Paul says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord, I'm sorry, I receive from the Lord, verse 23, which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus in the night He was betrayed, took bread. He broke it. When He had given thanks, He said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you preach, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. This is a proclamation of the good news. It's not a sacrifice. It doesn't forgive our sin. It's a reminder to us of who we are. Christ died for our sins and He rose from the dead. He shed His blood for our sin. And if you've received that, you're part of Him. You've become part of Him. And so as we participate in this Lord's Supper today, Paul tells us, examine your own heart. Are you right between Him and you? Take care of that before the Lord. And then he says to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so as we prepare for this, I'm going to ask Bill Becker if he would give thanks unto the Lord for the bread. You indeed are great and greatly to be praised, Almighty God. Oh, how great love one has for another to lay down his life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for sacrificing your life and paying a penalty of our sins. And as we partake of this in remembrance of what you've done, we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
The scripture says that Jesus took the bread after he'd given thanks. He broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Nate Cook, if he would give thanks unto the Lord for the cup. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this cup that represents the blood of Christ that shed his blood to uh, wash away our sin. Lord, that we uh, take as a body believers, knowing what it took to uh, redeem us. In your name, amen.
the scripture says that after supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is my covenant. This cup is the covenant in my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We'll conclude our service, our Lord's Supper service with prayer. And as you're heading out, you can go straight down. We'll give thanks unto the Lord for uh, the meal we're going to receive and look forward to our time with Deborah um, in the next service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercies to us. We thank you for the opportunity to focus this month on mission service and those who are serving uh, in places we don't know anything of. God, may it encourage us to pray more diligently for those who are serving you in places where Christ is not named. Father, help us. And we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed.